Have you ever been tempted to give up or check out in your walk with God? Have you been at a place in life's journey where you felt overwhelmed and overshadowed by life's obstacles, setbacks, or heartaches? It could be you are at such a place right now, a place where you are hungering for hope. If so, then Hope Along the Journey podcast is a ministry of encouragement created specifically with you and others just like you in mind. And now, here is your host, Mark Cravens, to share a word of encouragement with you today. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of Hope Along the Journey. Hi, I'm Mark Cravens, your host, and we welcome you to today's episode as we will be interviewing a very special guest here. I'm on the phone with none other than Jimmy Keaton. Jimmy, welcome to today's episode. Thank you, Mark. It's an honor to be here. Well, we're going to get into your story here in just a few moments because you've got a story that I really am excited for you to share with our listening audience. But before we begin, I just want to remind everybody to take a few moments to visit our website. Our website is www.hopealongthejourney.org. Again, that's just hopealongthejourney.org. And whenever you get to the website, there will be a pop-up that will say, Stay in Touch. When you see that screen, would you enter your email address so that we can put you on our monthly newsletter? We would love to have you stay in touch with what's going on with the Hope Along the Journey ministry, and we would really appreciate you getting on board and being part of our newsletter family. I also would like for you to take a few moments, if you listen, especially on Apple Podcasts, to give us a good rating on Apple Podcasts. That helps us to push our podcast and out and give it more visibility. And then if you would just leave a few comments. In my newsletter, I've been publishing people's comments about the podcast or the broadcast. So feel free to leave a comment there on when you leave a comment and a, some stars, hopefully five stars as you listen. Or if you'd like to just email me, we'd love to have your comments on email. And again, it's simply the email address is hopealongthejourney at gmail.com. Again, that's hopealongthejourney at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from you and have the opportunity to put your comments in an upcoming newsletter. As I mentioned, Jimmy is on the phone here all the way from Hanover, Pennsylvania. Uh, Jimmy has pastored for 30 years. He's been in pastoral ministry. He has two sons, three grandsons. So, Jimmy, again, we welcome you and are glad to have you here with us today on this episode. I told you I was going to ask you this as we begin, and that is I'd like for you to share with my audience your love for uh, Civil War. You ha- you are quite the Civil War uh, information resource. So talk a little bit about your hobby and love for Civil War history. Well, that's always a privilege to talk about that. Uh, in 1994, when we first moved here to Hanover, uh, I found out through my brother, Brian Keaton, who is a wounded veteran. Uh, he has access to uh, antiquity and finding out your ancestral heritage. And I found out that our great, great, great grandfather was uh, a Confederate from Richmond, and he was here with General Lee uh, during the Battle of Gettysburg. So that kind of first sparked my interest. And then I started researching um, quite a bit. Uh, and uh, ever since then, I, I do impromptu tour guides up there at the, the battlefield and have 
off and on now for the last 25 years. Wow. And just love it. Really enjoy it. Well, I remember a number of years ago when Teresa and I were there speaking at your church, and we were staying there with you and your family, uh, you took us to the battlefield there at Gettysburg, and I was... I was amazed at, at your knowledge, and you just really made that battlefield come alive. I've talked to a lot of people who have got one of your guided tours, and the response is always the same, how much they really enjoyed it and how much it just it came alive. Do you still get well, up to the battlefield quite a bit, Jimmy? I do. As a matter of fact, uh, Susan and I, my wife, we just took a drive up there last evening. Uh, we had had our kids here all last week, and so we kind of took a little time together and They've closed down Roundtop for 12 to 18 months to, for renovations. And okay. so we drove up there. We were there yesterday just checking things out, seeing what the accessibility would be mm-hmm. uh, for future tours that we'd be giving. That's neat. That's great. Well, talking about battles, we're not going to be talking about the Civil War battle, but Jimmy, you and Susan have been in a, in a, a very uh, life-altering battle here of late, and that has been a battle with cancer. And this started back, what, how many years ago did this start, Jimmy, that you began Well, this it journey? started January the 12th, 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was on a Sunday morning, and I was in a Sunday school class when all of a sudden I felt uh, a pain in my lower right back and the right kidney area. And uh, it, it was so severe that uh, my, my legs wouldn't hold me when I tried to stand up. Uh, somehow or another, I got out into the hallway my son Glenn was in the sound room and I said, you need to call, call the elders of the church because if God doesn't touch me, I'm not going to be able to preach today. I don't know what's going on. And what I didn't realize is that uh, the membrane around the kidney due to the tumor uh, infiltrating the kidney, it was 25% invested and I didn't know that till oh later. It had burst and I started bleeding internally. Hmm. And so for two and a half days, I thought it was a kidney stone. Uh, so I didn't go to the hospital for two and a half days. I preached that day. Uh, but the Lord impressed something on me in that moment that has sustained me all the way through this process. And that was a simple impression that you're going to be a suffering servant now, but you will serve. Don't resign. Don't quit. Don't stop. Because uh, obviously there was legitimate human reasons why I could have stepped down. Mm-hmm. Right. But the Lord said, don't do it because you will serve and uh, my strength will be made perfect in your weakness. And, and that's, uh, that's what happened to start the whole process off. Wow. I can't imagine, you know, I, in fact, I was just in a, in a meeting just recently and somebody requested prayer for somebody who had cancer and immediately somebody in that group and responded back and say, I hate that word. That word is so life-changing. And it really is, Jimmy, for people who have cancer, the moment they hear that word, it really truly is a life changer, isn't it? It is. It is. I mean, uh, you know, one of the things about probably two of the biggest things spiritually that I've learned about cancer is you have to actively use the word and prayer Mm -hmm. to fight anxiety and fear because every three months I have to go in now and answer the same ugly question, has it returned? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's something that the Lord is really has to, but his grace has been sufficient. He's helping Amen. me to, to win that battle. But there's days when I'm tired or my stamina is not real good because I have two-thirds of one kidney left mm-hmm. that uh, 
you know, it's harder to fight and harder to win, but God has been faithful all the way through. Amen. Well, let's go back because as I look at the timing of when you were diagnosed with cancer and you had to have this surgery, this was during the peak of COVID, wasn't it? What was it was lo- just as COVID was was kicking off. Mm-hmm. So, and, uh, what was that like? Because I know you went in the hospital, and I, if I remember right, Susan wasn't even allowed to be with you. Tell us a little bit about what that experience was like. Well, uh, when I first went in to the emergency room, two and a half days afterward, uh, I had a CAT scan done. And I remember laying on the gurney, and two doctors came in, one standing up on my left side, another one got down eye level on the right side. And being a communicator myself, I knew what that probably meant. Something was wrong. Right. And he said, you have two 10-centimeter, which would be six-inch tumors, one on each kidney. And I could tell they were very concerned, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so from there, I spent several days in York Hospital. Susan was allowed to be with me at that time. And then when I tried to figure out what we were going to do, the process, we went to Cleveland Clinic. And uh, Dr. Berglund, who was very world-renowned, he said, Mr. Keaton, he said, uh, you could die from this. He said, "Uh, your chances are not real good. And uh, so it was a shocking. Sure. You know, you go from zero to 100 Mm -hmm. just in one one very short period of time. So finally, uh, one, one answer to prayer was we had scheduled an appointment at Hershey medical and we thought, no, we're probably going to go with Cleveland clinic. And, uh, he said, I can't get you in till probably April or may. And here I am with two life threatening tumors, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and this was, uh, early March. And so I, uh, I said, well, we have one other appointments in Hershey medical, and he's, he got on his computer and he said, yeah, I went to school with that one. I did a fellowship with that one in New York and just talked about his experiences. Mm-hmm. He said, you need, to, you need to meet this man, this doctor right here, Dr. Matthew Keg. And uh, so we just kind of made a mental note of it. We were pretty much in shock. And uh, when we got out on the road, Susan took out the appointment card mm-hmm. at Hershey Medical and it said Dr. Matthew Keg. And so we felt wow. instantly that God was showing us this is this is my will. Absolutely. So the first surgery was a radical nephrectomy, which is a complete removal of the left kidney. And uh, he told me, he said, the sooner you walk, the sooner you'll go home. So the morning after the surgery, uh, the pain was incredible, of course. And I have 21 inches of scars to go along with it. But he said... Uh, Sooner you walk, sooner you'll go home. So the next morning, I asked the nurse to help me up, and she said, uh, what for? I said, because I need to walk. And I, I had the strength to get through that one. Uh, there was a lot of pain, a month, month and a half of pain that was pretty incredible. But the second one was an entirely different story altogether because, you know, to figure out which kind of term to use here, it, ta- it attacked my life force. Uh in ways that just left me just like a piece of meat on the table. Oh my. And, uh, there, the first two days I had no kidney function after the second surgery for 13 days and two, I think it was day two or three after I had my surgery, I couldn't have any ice chips or any water. I didn't have the, 
uh, apparatus in for dialysis yet. Mm-hmm. And I got so dehydrated. I know what it's like now to pull your tongue down from the roof of your mouth because it's so dry. And uh, at one point during that time, I felt only way I know how to describe it is I felt my spirit and my body that they, they got a little bit loose from each other. And I realized that, that I could die Mm -hmm. and uh, they couldn't do anything. The doctors were outside in the hallway. I could hear them talking heatedly. My surgeon was begging them to give me 30 cc's of fluid. And Mm -hmm. the other one was saying, we can't do it. He has no kidney function. So I knew I was in severe crisis. And uh, then they put a mask over my face. This is as COVID was kicking on. So Mm -hmm. it's taking my entire upper body to try to get a swallow because there's no, no fluid in me. Mm And they put a mask over that. So now I'm struggling to breathe. And they took me down to try to save my life and put this, uh, this, this uh, dialysis catheter in. Mm-hmm. And they put a, turned my head to the left and put a heavy weighted uh, blanket over my face. And uh, I remember feeling like this is it. This is it. I'm going home. Mm-hmm. And I was at peace, but my body was greatly distressed, of course. Sure. And, um, I had a a nurse, her name was Kathy. I I called her my water Nazi because she just, (laughs) she wouldn't give me anything. And she was not warm and fuzzy person, but Uh she was professional. She did a good job. And whenever I was in that procedure for 40 minutes, she came over and she grabbed my right hand and started squeezing it. And I knew that it was, she knew it was serious, but somewhere in that procedure, I squawked out a help and uh, a male nurse. He was a, he was a full blooded uh, Indian mm-hmm. and he, he came over and he got a syringe of water somewhere. He, I mean, he could have got it out of a swamp and it would have tasted like an artesian well, Right. but he came over and pulled that mask and that blanket back. And he said, Mr. Keaton rinse and swallow all of it. And when he did, I remember, I know what it's like now to have your spirit and your body slam into each other again. I mean, that's something. Because it was just that little bit of water gave me, and he did that three times during that procedure. And so after that, I began to progress. Mm -hmm. But I had an epidural in my back for six days. And on day six, they took the epidural out and, uh, they, I used to transport for Medicaid state of West Virginia. So I know what it's like to see opioid addicted people. Mm-hmm. And they said, do you want oxy thirties or do you want, uh, Tylenol? And it, and I didn't have an advocate. I was in there by myself. And so I said Tylenol because all I could see was the opioid addicted people, but I needed, I needed the oxy thirties at that time right? Mm-hmm. for the pain. And that's when pain came to me. Like I can't describe it felt like it was up off my body about a foot, almost like a heat wave vibrating. And I, I was going in and out of consciousness and my wife would, would call and they would put the phone up there where she could see me. And she knew that day that I was, I was very, very close to a major health event of some kind. Mm-hmm. And I remember hearing her voice, Mark, as she started calling out on God, yeah. saying, Lord, Jimmy needs you now. And, and I mean, this wasn't a, you know, a a ritual prayer in church somewhere. I mean, it was a broken heart crying. I couldn't speak. I couldn't move, Mm -hmm. but I just knew that I was probably going to pass away. And somewhere in that, 
in my mind, I remember thinking it was just good to hear her praying. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, Mark, I heard another voice. And I knew it was the Lord. Yes. And he said, Jimmy, will you take my hand? And uh, my first thought was, yes, Lord, I will. But I don't want to die now. I want to go home. I want to be with my family. I want to preach. And uh, and he, he didn't say anything else that I could discern or understand. But I finally remember in my spirit reaching out and taking his hand. And we were walking through a beautiful, beautiful meadow mm -hmm. beyond description, color-wise. And, and I would, it was like a father and a son. And mm -hmm. he would speak again, and I would look up thinking, oh, I, I want to hear what he's saying. And I couldn't understand it, but I, I felt it in my body. And this, this happened, I, if I remember correctly, two or three times. And then all of a sudden, I'm... I'm in my bed again, and I hear Susan's voice, and she is just pleading with God. And uh, But all of a sudden, I could move. I could speak. And I was still a very sick man. And uh, I believe the Lord came. In my opinion, he gave me the option that day. If I would have said, Lord, I just can't take it anymore, mm -hmm. I believe he would have taken me home. But... He wanted me to live, and he came to give me the strength to live that day. And uh, I told my doctor, I witnessed to a lot of different people. Boldness was not a problem during that time because, you know, yeah. you're so close to death, and just uh, sure. the, the normal natural fears don't, don't bother you as much. And I, I told my doctor the story, and he got his notes, and he said, on day six, Mr. Keaton is at the crossroads. He may not make it. And then he said, day seven, Mr. Keaton has made a dramatic turnaround. Wow. And that was, that was the crossroads experience in that. And, and I went home on, uh, on day 10. Uh, of course, I could go on for a long time about the dialysis. Dialysis is a tough thing to go through for anybody. I have lots of sympathy. And they were doing what they call a hard clean on my blood. So it was a three-hour process wow. and uh, just taking tons of fluid off of me. And uh, and that enabled me to take in some fluids. But when they finally sent me home, it was day 10. And uh, I went home. I still had no kidney function. I was on dialysis three times a week. And uh, I was sitting up in bed one night because I couldn't lay down. And somewhere in the middle of the night, I just told Susan, I said, Susan, I said, I just feel like we need to pray that God will start this kidney up. And uh, we prayed together somewhere during the middle of the night. I, you, I couldn't tell if the kidney was going to function or not, but it was like the Lord just said, get up and uh, go do what you need to do to try to measure some, you know, some CCs. Mm -hmm. And I had been getting 10 to 20 cc's of urine every four hours, which is nothing uh, up to that point, and 300 cc's, and the next day was 600, and the next day was 900. And over at the dialysis place, they started saying, Mr. Keaton, we can't get any fluid off of you anymore. Mm -hmm. And they said, "We this is this is amazing. And uh, so it, it got to where I... Uh, my creatinine level when I came home was somewhere between 14 and 15. Mm -hmm. 
and it's supposed to be somewhere between 0.73 and 1. And uh, so I was a ticking time bomb. The doctor told me, he said, we don't understand how your internal organs didn't shut down. He said, because your, your body was completely toxified. So there was just so many miracles that yes. God did. Work God was really working, wasn't he? In a marvelous way, and you didn't even realize it at the time. Yeah, it was just marvelous, marvelous how he, how he worked. And, uh, and, you know, I'm sure I don't know all that he did for sure. Well, Jimmy, that is an incredible story, and and I really do. I mean, you look back at the doctor's notes and notations and the direct correlation of when you receive those visions, and there's no question, God definitely touched you and preserved your life so that you're alive even today. You know, Susan, this has been tough for Susan, hasn't it? Because during that time, she, like you said, she wasn't even allowed to come visit. You had to talk by phone. What's this been right. like for Susan to journey through this? Well, I tell everybody that I talk to about it, that ask about it, that her journey was different than mine, but it was every bit as difficult mm -hmm. because Susan has always been a caregiver to the core. She loves, loves the down and out and the brokenhearted, and she's in every pastor, every place we've ever been, she gravitates to those people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the second surgery, the first surgery was incredibly difficult when she realized she couldn't go, but I was home quickly. But the second surgery, I remember uh, being on the phone, hoping beyond hope. And uh, mm -hmm. when they informed us that, you know, no one's going to be allowed to be there. Uh, the only other time that I saw Susan this distraught was when her dad died in 1985. Um, because that was unexpected as well. He was 51 and died with multiple myeloma cancer. Mm -hmm. And uh, Susan had prayed so much for his healing. But, you know, it, it was a time of, you know, you can't really quantify how broken she was at that time. And, mm -hmm. and I, I, that was harder for me, uh, even than thinking I might die. And, I, and it wasn't because... I'm so noble, but the Lord had given me so much grace, mm -hmm. you know, that right. I, I mean, I had grace then that I don't have now. Sure. I uh, but, but Susan, she would weep, uh, and cry and, and, uh, then, but when she called me, she was all smiles because she said, I knew you didn't need to see my tears at that time. Wow. And, uh, the only time that she got emotional was when she was praying that night when Jesus showed up. That is amazing. But she, she's been such a strong support. I'll tell you, I thank God for Susan. She's the type oh, of person man. you need when you're in crisis. Yeah, that's right. Susan is a jewel. I've known, of course, I've known you guys for, a, for most of my life. So, yeah, I, but I can't imagine what it's been like for her. But yes, she's a very, Susan's a very strong person in a lot of ways. And yeah. I know that's been such an asset and blessing for you. Jimmy, mm -hmm. Kind of fast forward is you've recently had another episode. Can you, in, two, in a three or four minutes here, kind of tell us what happened here recently with another situation related to your cancer? Well, three months ago, they found uh, some small nodules on uh, both lungs. I think two on one, two on the other. But there was one that was growing, uh, getting larger, and my doctor 
sent me a message. He said, I, I really, he said, I've seen these a lot. He said, and I believe that this one is cancerous. He said, but we're going to do a lung biopsy, which is incredibly dangerous. Uh, you can have all kinds of things happen whenever you have that done. And he said, I want you to come in. So my wife was able to go in with me for this one. And uh, he said, we're going to put you in what we call an open CAT scan where we're reading your lungs live. And he said, you'll be in there for about 30 minutes. Okay. And uh, so that's a lot of radiation. Yes. So I, uh, I said, okay. And uh, the nurse told me, his name was George. He said, Mr. Keaton, we're going to give you an anti-anxiety uh, drug. And he put an IV in my hand. And I didn't know it at the time, but it was just fluids. But I thought he was giving me the, the anti-anxiety drug because all of a sudden, Mark, I begin to feel this incredible calm. He's sitting there telling me all these bad things that can happen. And he might as well have been telling me what he had for breakfast. It just didn't, it wasn't bothering me. Mm -hmm. And I thought, Hmm, that drugs some pretty good stuff, I guess. So I go in there and I was supposed to be in there 30 minutes. They get me situated at about 12 to 15 minutes in. I hear the door, uh, to the, uh, the computer room where they're reading, reading my lungs live open and shut. Didn't mean anything to me. I couldn't see anyone. And then all of a sudden I heard the doctor's voice and he said, Mr. Keaton, I'm not real sure what's going on here. He said, but we just watched this spot disappear. I Amazing. said, what, what do you mean? He said, it's gone. I said, well, how often does that happen? He said, it never happens. And I, I could lift my head and see the nurse's face, George there. Mm -hmm. And his eyes got real big above his mask. And uh, that's about the time I let out a big old praise God and that CAT scan room turned into a church. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I mean, I realized what had happened. Uh -huh. And so they wheeled me back down. This was going to be a five hour process. They wheeled me back down to where Susan is mm -hmm. 20 minutes after they take me in. And Susan hears me talking and they wheel me in the room and the nurse is kind of busying around. And he said, the doctor will be in. And I said, nurse, before you leave, this is for the sake of my wife. I said, how often does this happen? And he just looked at me and said, Mr. Keaton, it doesn't happen. He said, you've experienced a higher power today. That and he incredible. was a Christian. Yes. And Susan, I'll tell you what, uh, I thought she was going to take off. She <laughs> was just thrilled. Yes. And uh, so God did this in the face of modern science and medical science and said, Let's just show them what I can do. So he completely healed me of the largest nodule in there. And I have a few others that are very small, mm -hmm. but uh, God worked another miracle. And I just, it's been such a strength, strengthening of faith to my people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so uh, all I can say is praise God. He's still in the miracle working business. Amen. Praise God. That's wonderful. Well, Jimmy, I really appreciate you uh, being on Hope along the journey today. Really, this has been so encouraging um, to hear your testimony. You're, you're still, though, you still have this element of suffering going on in your life, though, don't you? There's still some ongoing. I do. Uh, I've had a number of things happen. Uh, I've had severe vertigo, where uh, it's it's uh, messed with my balance. I've had it for quite some time. We had COVID twice after this. I fell. And, uh, 
messed my shoulder up real badly trying to hang curtains one day. I thought I was 30, but I'm 58, so that didn't go very well. <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling. <laughs> but uh, so there's, yeah, there's a lot of challenges, but, but Mark, I, I have to tell you, uh, out of all the church experiences I've been a part of in my life, the thing that motivates me the most now is to find Jesus and hang on to him like I've never hung on to him Amen. before Yes, and, and bring him glory through all of this. Amen. That's my calling. Amen. Jimmy, thank you so much. Appreciate you being on the episode today. And we're going to continue to pray for you and lift you and Susan up in our prayers as you continue to, to move through this transition and time in your life. Listeners, thank you for listening today to our Hope Along the Journey podcast, broadcast, whatever venue you're listening through. We want to remind you as we close the episode today that as Jimmy has stated, Jesus is truly the hope of the world. And if you look to him, he will help you to find hope along the journey. God bless you. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you would like to know more about Hope Along the Journey, or if you would like to make a donation to show your support and appreciation for this ministry, then visit our website at hopealongthejourney.org. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again for more Hope Along the Journey.